Hello again, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Two Sport Town, our NFL podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson sitting alongside the great Jim Thomas, and it's uh, it's a draft edition, JT. This is exciting stuff, and we're going to return to the uh, experience and knowledge of uh, an old friend here on the uh, on the podcast, Rick Venturi is joining us. You remember him from the from the Super Bowl episode of Two Sport Town, where we broke down the uh, the New England Patriots. And if only teams would listen to the way that we broke down the Patriots, perhaps they'd well, the, have a chance of beating the, them. The way Coach Venturi broke down the Patriots, <laughs> really like few like few in the world can. But uh, it's great to have uh, uh, Rick here, a uh, longtime coach. Uh, you know, there are a lot of so-called, quote-unquote, draft experts out there. Now, I do like Mike Mayock. I try to talk to Gil Brandt every year. But for my money, for my money, there's nobody better than Rick Venturi. He spends a lot of time, now a radio analyst in, uh, in Indianapolis, spends a lot of time breaking down the film. He talks to John Gruden a lot, sometimes is over at that quarterback uh, school. And besides the effort he puts in now, he, he backs it up with 27 years as an NFL coach, including three under uh, Scott Linehan and also Jim Hazlitt. Maybe sometime uh, we'll, we'll have Rick Venturi on to, to talk about those days with Linehan. I'm sure he'd have a couple of stories. But, Rick, it, it's great, great to have you on. No one knows the draft better than Mr. Venturi. Well, Jim, thanks a lot. It's really great to be on with you and Ben today. Uh, you know, I I absolutely love the draft. It's a, it's a passion within a passion for me. Um, I was lucky enough to start out in 1982, my rookie season, uh, with the then uh, college coach coming out of college, Frank Cush, who believed that we as a coaching staff should serve as scouts in the wintertime, you know, uh, operations were much smaller and so you know I learned it you know right off the bat listen to scouts guys like Gil Brandt who you mentioned and Bobby Bethard and Dick Steinberg and even the great Al Davis I mean I I learned the scouting scouting jargon I took that as you know as important as my coaching and thus had a, a lot of input really over my 27 years and now you know having studied the draft for you know, seven more years now as an analyst, I, this is actually my 35th year, and it's really amazing. And I know you are very much like me. You've seen the evolution of the NFL, but, you know, the draft now has become a season to itself, you know, and, and, and I really kind of like that. I enjoy the, I enjoy the hunt. Well, it's a collision of two of the most popular sports in America. NFL football for, for a few decades now has been the most popular sport, but college football's two, sometimes three, behind Major League Baseball. So it's quite a collision when those two worlds uh, uh, collide. Now, Rick, let's let's get right into it. To me, the biggest kind of mystery of this draft, and I, I still don't know what to make of them, where they're going to go. The quarterback position last year, we had a couple trades. It was pretty clear. Who, it, it was yeah. pretty obvious who was one and two last year at this time. I, what do you make of the, the whole quarterback thing, and what do you think of this, these top guys and where they might go? Well, you know, I think you're exactly right. I mean, this is, this is really the total unclarity. Um, you know, Trubisky has seemed to move up the ranks. He seems to be 
at least associated with Cleveland with, you know, either one. I can't imagine them giving them the one. I, I think they're all inflated. You know, I think you're going to see top 10, top 20 guys, but I think if people were honest with you, I don't think they really believe they have that value. But, you know, the quarterbacks, you know, because it's a quarterback-driven league, will always be the wild card in, in this scenario. Um, Trubisky is uh, smooth. He has a NFL skill set. Um, you know, he throws the ball accurately, very smart kid. Um, again, you have this short, uh, you know, snort, short snapshot on his career, the 12 games. And, you know, it did show in certain situations. Some of his situational football, he just hasn't learned. And, he, you know, he's only going to get it, uh, you know, by playing, by playing more. So, you know, uh, I don't, you know, I don't warm up to him totally. Um, Watson is a great athlete at Clemson. Um, you know, has played in the big stages. Uh, you know, has great athleticism. Uh, has performed as a leader, smart, all those things. I've never seen either one of them actually step up and drill the Sunday dig type patterns and tight windows. You know, you just don't see that on their college film. Um, I think Trubisky is a little bit more accurate overall than Watson. Uh, you know, so again, those are the, the pluses and the minuses. Kaiser, to me, is a total enigma. Big, great tools. Uh, when he does stand well in the pocket, he just looks like he was born there. Uh, big guy that can let it go. I've seen him play in person in South Bend. You know, he's got the arm. He's got the physicality. He's got really everything. You know, but he seems to be, you know, just something missing. And, you know, he tends to, you know, it, it, he appears to be very uh, self-absorbed. Uh, of course, the NFL will... He, like you Ben know, Fredrickson. Will, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sounds like a great, you. great guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll humble you in a second. The guy with the wow factor, the, the guy that really has the wow factor to me and may end up being the best one is Mahomes um, out of Tech. I, I think he has a lot of special qualities. Now, he's a wild horse rider. He's the most unrefined of the, of all of them. But he has a gun. He has a shotgun. He's not a typical air raid quarterback, which is just dunk, you know, dink and dunk. This guy can throw it about a mile. Uh, you know, he's got great pedigree. His, his father, you know, pitched, you know, I'm sure Cardinal fans remember him in the league. He pitched for like 14 or 15 years. Latroy Hawkins is his godfather. The kid has grown up. You know, in major league clubhouses, he has a charisma about him. Uh, when you're around him, he lights up the room. He's a playmaker. Kind of reminds me of Favre before he settled down, you know. Um, but I think he, he's the guy, as I said, when I watch the film, I go, wow. And then sometimes I go, why did he do that? <laughs> but um, I, think he, I think he has the most high side. And, you know, I, a lot of people like Peterman because they think he's NFL-ready. Um, Smart-wise, he's come out of NFL offense. He's a real sharp kid, transferred uh, from Tennessee to Pitt. Um, and I think he's a guy that will probably come in and look pretty sharp and be serviceable. I just don't see a ton of high side. And my sleeper, and I don't think he's a sleeper anymore, I think he's risen. I know the, the Gruden quarterback school really helped him. I know John really likes him, his Dobbs out of Tennessee, I think he's the guy to watch. I think he's the guy that could be the, the Russell Wilson, the Dak Prescott. He's real smart like those guys where he's a you know, he's a you know, an engineering student, which is one thing, but he's a smart football kid. He's got a lot of tools. He can run, 
you know, he can throw it. He's got all the ability. He's got leadership qualities. He hasn't been totally accurate. But, you know, I think that's something he can acquire. When you look at accuracy today in the college game, you have to look at it much deeper than the old days because those guys are throwing different kinds of passes. A lot of times the coverage allows wide-open receivers because of the chaos of the game. So you have to study it. He just seems to me the kind of guy that is going to put in the time, the effort to improve that accuracy, and if and when he does – uh, you're going to have a real athlete and smart kid at the position. Yeah, Dobbs is something uh, is something else. I I worked I covered Tennessee before I came back to St. Louis, and here's a guy who's going to go from you know hopefully an NFL quarterback, and w- whenever he has to stop or if it doesn't work out, he's going to go be an aerospace engineer. Yeah, and he's, he's had internships at Boeing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's truly truly a remarkable kid. And Nathan Peterman is fascinating because he was basically the ba- it, he, he didn't yeah. he he didn't get Josh Dobbs took that job. And he ended up transferring to Pitt. So if he were to be drafted higher, that would be a, that would be a bizarre twist of events. I It'd just be a bizarre, and it could happen. I mean, it could happen. I uh, talk me out of, of Deshaun Watson because I saw him put Alabama on the ropes. I saw him come back and beat him, and I've seen him, uh, you know, just become the uh, you know the fearless leader of a Clemson program that all of a sudden is on the on the forefront of the the college football discussion. And I know that the, I know he might not be the most polished guy, but people are saying similar things about. Dak Prescott, and maybe that's a comparison that fits in your eyes. Maybe it doesn't. Um, does is he the next Dak Prescott? Why or why not? He could be. I mean, he he really could be. There's a lot to like there. You know, I I, I mean, again, when you when you when you go on all the intangibles, um, they're off the charts. I mean, he he again is a smart kid, a leader. Um, you know, seems to rise to every occasion. Uh, never lets you know. Never lets him see him sweat. He, he's a uh, you know, he's a guy that has played big stages, championship games, uh, as opposed to a Traberski. He has, you know, 30-some games, 35, I think, that he's played in and a lot of huge ones and won a ton of them. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you could certainly make the argument. He's a terrific athlete. You're going to be able to do a lot of zone read with him. Uh, I think he's a solid passer. I think his arm could be better, Ben. I, I think if you want to start picking it clean, I think the question is going to be, will he be able to nail the tight window passes with that accuracy day in, day out, you know, to be the, the lottery pick? I mean, I, I think that's the key. You know, um, you know, again, he could be a Joe Montana. Montana was a guy who, you know, people question his arm, although they never questioned Joe's accuracy. But they did question the arm. They questioned the arm strength of Steve Young. I remember playing against Steve Young when he was at Tampa, and he looked like he was going to, you know, look like he couldn't play, to be honest with you, other than with his wheels. So, you know, I mean, he could be that guy. He could be that Dak Prescott. I wouldn't bet against that kid. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it, the, the, the mystery again, where do these guys go? There's talk that Cleveland is in an internal divide, someone, someone Garrett, someone Trubisky. It would, just, it would just blow my mind if Trubisky was the number one overall pick because he, he couldn't even win his job in college until his final year at North Carolina. But we're also hearing San Francisco at two is strongly considering quarterback, Chicago at three, uh, the New York Jets. People are going to reach a little bit for these quarterbacks, don't you think, Rick? Oh, I think so. I mean, you know, let, let's say that Cleveland. Let's say the Cleveland goes the traditional way. 
um, you know, which I would. I, I would not let Garrett sit on that on that fence. I, I'd, I'd take Garrett with that one pick, and then with the picks they have, I would package up, you know, and make sure I could get into that lottery with that, you know, they're starting from 12. Um, you know, you might have to go all the way to two. Two would ensure that you get the quarterback. Um, if you get ahead of the Jets, you know, the Jets are at four. If you, if you get ahead of them, you know, because I, I, I can't imagine the Jets don't take somebody here. So, um, And San Francisco is a little bit of a wild card. So you're going to have to wheel and deal to get back up there. You're right, Jim, is that, you know, and again, you're, you're taking inflated players, but, you know, the game demands it. Now, if quarterback is a mystery position, I would say running back uh, brings the most, maybe most controversial player in the draft. But uh, Rick Venturi, our guest here on uh, Two Sport Town, a longtime NFL coach, former Rams coach, currently a radio and TV analyst in Indianapolis. It's a strong running back class, isn't it? Who do you have at yeah. the top? Yeah, there's there it, it, on offense. There's two areas of real strength. Um, and depth, uh, running back and tight end. Um, you know, I, it's very difficult to make the top pick. You know, I think Fournette, um, if you're going to take the cleanest, pure running back, uh, I think it's Fournette. Now, the problem there is, and he is one of my 10 blue chip players. I have 10 blue chip players on the board, seven defense, three offense. Fournette is one of those three guys. The biggest problem with Fournette, although he can catch the ball, is that, you know, to really realize what he can do, uh, you want to be able to pound with him like they did with Peterson early in his career. And so he's got to go to a team that is committed that way because the game itself, in, in big-picture terms, is not going that way. The game is going to the multiple backs quicker, use the field, throw the football all over the park. And so... You know, he's not exactly a man of the times, but yet Gurley, uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott certainly made their teams a hell of a lot better and kind of uh, dismissed that devaluation of the running back. McCaffrey uh, is a different kind of guy. He's technically a running back, but he's to me he's a blue-chip entity, if you will. He's a guy who you know, is a Swiss Army knife and a scoring and a scoring machine. I mean, he can return it. Uh, he can catch it. Uh, he can run it. He can run between the tackles, but that's not his forte. But in order to make McCaffrey a blue-chip player, you have to have confidence in your coaching staff that he will be used in certain ways. In other words, I think he's a combination Danny Woodhead – um, and uh, Julian Edelman, he's kind of that kind of guy. You know, people compare him to Brian Westbrook. I think he's every bit as good an athlete. I don't think he quite has the running back physicality that that Westbrook does. So he's going to be an interesting decision for everybody right down the road, including, you know, my team at 15, the Colts, maybe looking at him right there in the eye, you know, compared to a defensive need they have. Um, the kid I, I like immensely, uh, he slipped a little bit. I'll be honest with you guys, when I first did the tape, and as Jim knows, I'm a tape guy first. I don't, I'm, I'm huge on metrics and analytics in terms of the overall composite rating. I'm a big analytics guy, but I never touch the analytics till I look at the tape first. And when I looked at the tape, the best running back on tape was, that, was uh, the Cook, 
out of out of uh, out of out of Florida State, Alvin Cook. He was he was my favorite running back on pure tape. I think he has eight runs over forty three yards. He remind me of Jamal Charles coming out. The, but the problem is these threefold problem, and this is why he slipped. And I think somebody's going to get a bargain. They may get him in a second round. Is that one? He has three shoulder separate, three shoulder surgeries, but he's played with it. Number two, his his workout, his metrics, you know, aren't quite as good as you thought they, as, as as the tape looks. You know, he's right at a four or five. You know, there's just different things that aren't as good as what you see on tape, which is troublesome. And then the third thing, there's off. You know, there's off the field caution lights with him but you know he is a tremendous player it breaks my heart to take a guy and to move him down but i've been around long enough to know that the composite score must include must include the metrics because a lot of you know people fail when they take the next step one you know football iq two football character and then the third one a lot of times is speed where the game just speeds up faster than they're used to. But those three guys, but then, you know, you got several other guys. Um, you got Foreman out of Texas, uh, Kamara out of Tennessee, Hill, Wyoming. Kid I like would love for the Colts to get on a second or third day. Marlon Mack out of South Florida, uh, Nichols out of Boise. And then you got a, a, a little scat back, Pumphrey. Uh, who broke all of Marshall's uh, records at San Diego. And then, of course, the elephant in the room is Joe Mixon, uh, who you mentioned earlier. Mixon is a tremendous player. Mixon would be in that blue-chip category. He'd be right there uh, with Fournette and, uh, and, and McCaffrey. He's a, he's a guy that can run it, can catch it. He's a home-run hitter. And, uh, you know, he's paying the price for something that he did, um, you know, at 18 uh, he's played two years on it. Uh, everybody's going to have to make their own decision on that. You know, I, I've i been around too long to take hardline stands on that. I know some people have taken him off the board. Um, myself, I would research it, make sure that there's nothing close to that, make sure that everything has been clean for two years since the mistake, and and then I would evaluate it, you know. There's two different kinds of problems. There's the drug issues, those red flags, and those actually are ones that bother me a lot in terms of football because addiction, if a kid is, if, if, if it's a one-time shot, you know, uh, you know a one-over, uh, you, you know, that's okay. You'll, you'll get through that. If there's an addiction issue, you, you really don't want that issue because it's going to eventually cost the guy his career. He's going to be suspended when you're counting on him. And that is a football issue. The things with the violence off the field are really public relations issues. So those those are things that you have to um, you know you have to you have to come to a, to to a to, to a conclusion as an organization. A lot of times, I think the uh, the interview sit down discussions with a player. You wonder how much they affect uh, a guy's draft. But I would imagine that with Joe Mixon, of course, we're talking about the the incident in which he struck a struck a woman in a in an establishment in Oklahoma um I guess that to me is that's where his bread is going to be made right he has to get in that room and prove to teams that look this uh this was a mistake I own it I've learned from it in these ways I mean that that he's going to help or hurt himself with that discussion that very candid closed door discussion with teams isn't he 
Oh, no question, Ben. And, and people are going to investigate, and you're going to, you know, and since I don't have that luxury, I have every, I, I do everything I always did. I watch as much tape as the coaches. I have more experience than most guys in the league. And I, but the only thing I don't get up is the face-up one-on-one where you look a guy in the eye and you determine whether he's lying to you or not. I mean, that's, you know, that becomes critical in a situation like this. And frankly, there's several teams that won't do that because it's such a hot button issue. It it's just such a hot button issue that, you know, pe- some people will take, you know, I think in some cases it's holier than now, but it is what it is. You know, everybody has a different different framework from which to look at it. Um, you know, so it it'll really be interesting. Now, our new general manager, Chris Ballard, who I think a lot of, always have thought a lot of, you know, comes from Kansas City where they have two just stalwarts on their teams that were guys that people took off the board. They have Peters, the corner, you know, who was, you know, thrown off the team two or three times, just despised by the coaching staff. Uh, You know, he had more red lights, you know, more red flags than the Soviet Union. They took him, and he's an interception machine in the Pro Bowl. And then on the fifth round, they took Tariq Hill, who's one of my favorite players in the league, one of the most explosive players this year as a rookie who made the Pro Bowl. And he is the same, you know, he has the same type of deal as Mixon. The difference, you know, is that his wasn't taped. Now, I understand that the tape makes it more dramatic, but what's the difference? I mean, (laughs) whether you're on tape or whether you're not, the offense is still there. And they took a shot on him and gave him the second chance. And I guarantee you Kansas City doesn't win nearly as many games as they won last year without those two guys. So, you know, I'm I'm a guy that coached 27 years in the league and knew that every week he could be fired. So I have a little bit more open mind than some people. Yeah, Tyreek Hill gave the Chiefs a, a whole new dimension in terms of big play capability. Okay, wide receivers. I, I don't think we have a Calvin Johnson in here, uh, but uh, about what? About three three guys worth a look, or obviously more than that. Well, but- in terms of yeah, in terms of top look, I, I don't I don't think that you that you have a, a blue player, um, but you know I think you have you know some some damn good ones. I would probably. Take Williams from Clemson first. Um, he's he's a little bit like Kishon Johnson coming out, big, can make the circus catch, physical type guy, uh, separates with physicality, doesn't have great speed. He's he's you know he's right at that four five, uh, right at that right at that that, that break off point, you know which can become a factor in a National Football League when you get a lot of press. But you know I like him. Uh, Davis uh, from Western Michigan, tremendous hands, you know, has done it on small stages. Now he's been injured all winter, so he hasn't done himself any favors. There's a lot of people that just, you know, aren't really sure about him right now. Um, And I think that he suffered a little bit. He may have been the number one guy. And then the kid that has really helped himself, now he's not very big, but teams teams that will say speed is number one, uh, is the Ross kid from Washington who ran the four two nine? You know, just really blew it out. And he's a good player. He's not a track guy playing. Uh, you know, uh, you know, in that in that sense, um, those three guys I think are the guys that would be you know first round high second value. Then you're going to look guy like Samuel, who's an all purpose, um, oh kind of a Harvin type guy. Um, you know, maybe even uh, Terrell, you know, an Austin type that the Rams have. 
And then I think some guys that have really, really risen uh, uh, in the off season is Zay Jones uh, is the kid out of East Carolina, had a really good senior ball, just blew out the combine. He He's the guy I think is really in the top conversation now. Um, in, in that sense, D.D. Westbrook out of Oklahoma, who's Deshaun Jackson, small but can fly. And then two guys that I like kind of under the radar are Darbo out of Michigan and Godwin out of Penn State. So, you know, there'll be, there'll be some guys along the way. You're right. There isn't any just clear-cut, uh, you know, Julio Jones there. Yeah, Chris Godwin had the great uh, Rose Bowl against yes, he uh, did. Southern Cal. Mike Williams, I think, made a ton of money with uh, how, how big he showed up in that uh, national title game for Clemson against Alabama. Leaves the game. Looked like he might have, if it were the NFL, they might have put him in the concussion protocol, but he comes back and, and makes some big catches. And you mentioned Zay Jones. The dude caught 158 passes. 158 passes in his career. Oh, no, no. 158 passes just last season for East Carolina. Now, now moving along, uh, Rick Rick Venturi here on Two Sport Town, tight end for years, not the greatest position in the draft. Suddenly, everyone's talking this up as one of the the best tight end classes in a decade. Do you agree? I agree. Uh, you know, O.J. Howard is uh, you know terrific player, top ten guy. Uh, you know, blue chip all the way. Uh, Najoku out of Miami is right behind him. He may not be blue chip, but he has a tremendous, tremendous upside. Um, Ingram, the kid out of uh, Mississippi as an H-back, is just, just outstanding. You go Hodges, Butts, I mean, and all the way down to guys like Sprinkle and the kid out of Ashland College is kind of the, an off-season uh, you know, star is Shaheen. Um, there's just a, really and truly, it's a very, very deep class. Um, obviously, at the top, there's a couple blue chippers, but I think you can get some solid guys as you move down. Yeah. I just got a question about the position group as a whole because I'm looking at these names on these top 20 position rankings, and there's some some primary blue chip schools in here as well. We talk a lot about running back resurgence, and the position seems to come and go. But is now the prime time to be a to be a tight end? Well, I, I think it is Ben because in the spread offense, you are almost like a fourth wide, and that's what's happened in the NFL. That's why you see so many, you know, what I would call hybrid players. You're not. What you're not seeing is the big edge blockers. A guy like Sprinkle, uh, Roberts of Toledo, those are guys, if you really want kind of the old school edge guy, uh, you know, what you're seeing now are the Delaney Walkers, the Jimmy Grahams. Um, you know, Gronkowski's an all-purpose guy. There's, you know, he's the best. But you're seeing a lot of these guys who they can flank, uh, who they can get on linebackers, get on safeties, you know, and as I said, you know, it's you know, with it's it's really kind of a three and a half receiver, and those hybrids are so valuable now as as matchup issues, particularly with guys like, you know, uh, I think Sean Payton, uh, Mike McCarthy have really exploited that. Uh, Belichick, of course, and you're seeing it more popular all the way. And you know, the college spread offense is breeding those guys. Now, Howard could be uh, uh, could very well be a top ten pick. And Joku, uh, David and Joku, Miami of Florida, great athlete. He uh, 
was a national high jump champion yes. in, in, in high school. And then Ingram is almost like a big receiver, about 230 pounds. He ran low four fours, low four yeah, fours he's a, at, he's at the a combine. real hybrid. He, he's going to be a matchup nightmare. Now, uh, our last position on offense, uh, the, uh, the offensive line, not a whole lot to get excited about here. I wrote a story. Uh, you get excited about those guys. What's that? So, Norm- and you do get excited about those normally guys. I do, normally yeah. I do, but, uh, and, and I actually I quoted you in my offensive line story, uh, it's, uh, Rick. It, it's, it seems like the, uh, the proliferation of spread offenses has, has made it a little tougher to project these tackles because they're never in a three-point stance in college. Well, it is tougher, and sometimes, and I think that's why a lot of these top picks have busted. You know, uh, the irony is that in the last see Greg few Robinson, years, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, for different reasons, but yes, but you know, in you know, in the last few years, three positions have been uh, the most prolific in terms of choices. Um, and you know, one of them is offensive left tackle in that lottery. I mean, offensive left tackle rushers and quarterbacks that's been the highest percentage of picks i think over the last 10 years in the top 10 uh it is tougher i think this year is maybe the worst year uh there's not going to be any of those guys uh even thinking about going in the lottery these the guys that are are there that people are talking about and that i've evaluated would be bottom first round, you know, maybe middle to bottom to second round. And, you know, the guys that you're looking at is another Robinson. I like this Robinson much better than when the Rams uh, drafted the Robinson out of Auburn. Cam Robinson, who plays left tackle, who I think is a plug-and-play guy on the right side. I think the same thing with Ramsick from Wisconsin. Uh, Probably the best left tackle prospect is Bowles out of Utah, but he's he's very athletic, but he's not real strong. And then the best interior prospect, all these guys play left tackle, is the Lamp Kid, believe it or not, out of Western Kentucky. He's got, you know, everybody projects him to offensive guard, and that's probably the big four. After that, you know, there's nobody considered certainly of, of even low first-round value. So, you know that's you, you don't you don't want to need offensive linemen this year. Yeah, it's it's a strange group. Ramsek from Wisconsin. He actually uh, uh, kind of gave up football. I think for a while was thinking. He went of, to Stevens Point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he went from D- Division yeah. Three Stevens Point to one year really as a, as a, yeah. as a starter. I I think he was thinking of enrolling in tech schools. Bowles was really a a, a bad actor. He, he was kind of yeah. one of those Soviet Union red flag guys in high school. His dad kicked him out of this, his house. He goes on a Mormon mission. He gets his act back together. Had a great uh, had a great uh, uh, 2016 season for Utah. And like you said, the best of them all may be uh, Lamp from uh, from tiny uh, Western Kentucky. Apparently, the tape on him uh, against the occasional SEC team. I know Western Kentucky plays Alabama every year. Apparently is 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 very good, uh, Rick. Who are There's you? A, there, oh, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I would just say that you know keep your eye on a couple guys that I particularly like, and particularly in a year where it's not really good. I, I really like our Antonio Garcia out of Troy. I think I think he is a true left tackle. He's got to get stronger, but he is a really good athlete. And then another offensive lineman out of Western Michigan, Tyler Moton who I think will be a right guard or a right tackle, probably a right guard. But, you know, 
those are kind of uh, more under the radar guys that uh, that I like, and I, I think you're going to see them on Sunday. Who were your t- who were you, you mentioned Fournette? Who were your other two offensive uh, blue chips? I, I don't know if you have those names. It was Fournette, and uh, it would be O.J. Howard, and then it would be McCaffrey Asterick. That's if they if that that's if they get a coaching staff that doesn't use them like the Rams yes. use Tavon yeah, Austin. My, that's my asterisk. If you're if you're going to say, well, that's my ten-year running back, or I'm playing as a true running back, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, Ben. Well, let's let's flip to the other side of the ball, and 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 this has been a great discussion. We're we're already running a little long, but who are your so your other seven guys are on defense? Do do you have those names in front of you? Who are your seven blue chips on defense? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, the first guy is Garrett. Um, I'm not going to go in order now. I'm going to go by by kind of by divisions. I, I, the front guys, the three front guys are going to be Garrett, and I think Garrett's by himself. He's the only true edge difference maker. And you take me. him number one, right? Yeah, I would take Miles him number Garrett. one. I, I know there's a lot of noise right now. It's uh, you know, it's at the very end. Everybody gets a tight sphincter. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah. a little bit different, different kind of dude, you know. And uh, but. Uh, yeah, likes likes poetry. You, I bet you've never coached a defensive end who likes poetry. I know this. He can have all the poetry he wants if he keeps coming off that edge like that. You know, <laughs> I like poetry. I never thought it made me less tough on the field. So there you go. There you go. But anyway, then the t- other two front guys, they're different kind of guys, is Thomas, you know, Solomon Thomas out of Stanford. Um, he's kind of a versatile guy, five technique, three technique. I think you make him a three technique. I don't think he's Aaron Donald, but I think he has some of that. You know, I think he's a poor man's Aaron Donald. Allen from Alabama is just a real solid player. Uh, he's not great at anything, but he's pretty good at everything. And then, you know, I think you'll play him. I think he's better like Thomas when you actually move him inside. Um, and I think those three are the front guys. Uh, Reuben Foster is yes. an absolute monster. He's so scary. Linebacker. Yeah, and then. Uh, <laughs> And then three defensive backs. Um, uh, Lattimore uh, is the corner from Ohio State. The you know actually Ohio State may have three guys, three defensive back drafted in the top fifteen. How about but, that? What what a second. Uh, Lattimore. Lattimore is a four three seven guy. Um, and then Hooker from Ohio State, the free safety, who's got Earl Thomas type range, and probably the cleanest prospect who. If you had to pick the two cleanest guys, and that is tape, metrics, character, uh, it would be Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams would be right there with um, with uh, with, Garrett, with Garrett. Now, I would go with Garrett because of the position, because I think he's in a more game-affecting position. But those are the two, to me, and that's seven. That's my magnificent seven. Those are the <laughs> guys that I would you know rate as blue. Yeah, I I do a, a top five for every position, and at and at, at in the secondary, they were all either from uh, Ohio State or LSU. Now it was tough. The fifth spot, uh, Tre'Davious uh, White, right? Is that that's his last name? Yeah, the, the LSU. And I'm 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 not quite as high on him as everybody else. Now I have I have several guys. When you go into the red areas, you know, which is the next level, and that's probably where. You know, and I've done a great study in there because that's probably where the Colts are going to end up getting their 15th guy out of. I wonder, uh, I, I'm a big Reuben Foster fan. I can remember a buddy of mine, 
on the coaching staff at Tennessee telling me, hey, we're not going to get this guy, but just walk, go watch some high school film of him. And he looked like uh, he looked like a college player then, and now he looks like a professional player playing in college. I mean, the only concern there is that his body holds up, right? I mean, he, that's the way he plays is such a violent style of linebacker. Yeah, and he's not, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's about six foot two, twenty nine. Uh, but you know, he's Ray Lewis like. I mean, he is explosive. Um, he is a guy that puts you to sleep. He can close. And he's as good a close tackler and an impactive tackler as I've seen. Also, he runs the show on the Saban defense, which is as close to an NFL defense. So, you know, he's got real football intelligence. So I, I, I don't know what the wonderlick is, but he has real football intelligence. Now, the, you know, the biggest thing with him is he's got some issues. He's got some caution lights. You know, the, the injury isn't coming on quite as well as it should. You know, he had a little incident at the Combine. And then he has the diluted test now that has come to the front at the combine. So, you know, he's a guy that to me, you know, he's a he's an all Gulf of Mexico player to me. I mean, that's as good as it gets. And uh, he uh, uh, he would definitely be to me in the lottery. But you know, that's a guy that the Colts may make a decision on if he slips at all. I don't think he'll slip. I, I just think he's too good to slip. Wait a minute. What what is an all Gulf of Mexico player? Well, you know, I used to say, uh, you know, like uh, I have a saying up here, I live on the Morse Reservoir, which is a lake. And so if I like a guy, it's kind of like the old Chucky team we used to do with Gruden. If I really like a guy on tape, regardless of what his rating, I call him an all Morse Reservoir player, and everybody in Indy knows what I talk about. So when I when I went to watch him, he was better than a all Morse Reservoir all-star. He was an all Gulf of Mexico you, need, you needed a larger body of water for him. Much larger body of water. Yeah, he yeah, shoulder surgery and the conflicting reports about whether uh, whether uh, uh, it's healing on schedule or not. Right. Of course, he had the diluted urine sample, which and and he said he was sick and and drank a lot of water and sure, Gatorade. He's just trying to stay hydrated. That's all. Well, yeah, well, well, yeah, and and could be, but it it counts as a positive drug test. So he's in he's it, in the listen, program. It's all on the resume. We're yeah. going to pay a lot of money, and and I mean, when you, uh, like I said, you know, we're going to go back and check that. I mean, I if I were going to draft him, you know, I'd have a guy, I'd have a guy at Bama right now, and I would I would get to the bottom of that no matter what, because I don't want, as I said before, I don't want addiction. I'm I'm gonna. You know, I I used to do that segment when I was on the radio in St. Louis, Bad Boys. I mean, I've I've never shied away from Bad Boys, but I, there are certain things you got to clear before you know before you do it. Rick Venturi isn't worried about winning the press conference as a coach. He wants to, to win the not. games. Now, let me ask you this: if he, if Reuben Foster was at the hospital. And remember, he got sent home from the combine because he got in an argument uh, uh, with uh, one of the hospital workers. He was tired of waiting in line. How would you handle that, Rick? Well, you know, first of all, you want to get to the bottom of it. But my thinking would be is to draft the hell out of him and make sure he gets in the line first at the physicals. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll be a great player. Rick, this has been fantastic. We're going to get Gary Harrelson in. We've got a, a reader question for, for you. And uh, okay. take take a stab at this and then... Uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll sign off here. Okay. Hey, Rick, how are you? Good, Gary. How are you doing? Doing great. So we have a question here from TK from Moore, Missouri. And uh, he wants to know your favorite Ram stories that you probably shouldn't tell. But, <laughs> but 
It's okay to tell on the podcast just between us. Oh, my favorite Ram story. I, okay, I'll give you one. I, I, it's, it's not a story. It's just a play that sticks out with me forever and ever. And we're playing the, we're playing the Packers uh, at Green Bay. Jim will remember the game. Favre was the quarterback. And they're driving on us. They're driving on us. And we have to stop them to win. And it comes down to a fourth down. And I think it's, I don't know, it's inside the 10, all I know. And we have, they, they run the pattern. We have the blitz called. And Pisa, who's supposed to come out and take the tight end, he does something else. I, I'm not sure. I, I can't remember. And all of a sudden, I'm looking out there. And that tight end is wide open, and this game is over, and Favre never sees it and throws it away the other way, and we end up upsetting the Packers up there. Piece of Tenor Samoa. Uh, messed up. Imagine that, a Rams player messing up an assignment. <laughs> and and, and, and the other team didn't take advantage of it. They were, they were, they were few and far between. <laughs> That's awesome. Rick, thanks so much for your time. We always appreciate your insight. We could uh, make this thing into an hour, but uh, we know you have uh, you probably have some film to watch, and we got to gotta get rolling here too. But, but thanks again, and we hope to have you back on uh, at some point in the near future. All right, guys. Really enjoyed it. Talk to you later. That's Rick Venturi, longtime NFL coach, now an analyst. You can hear his work in Indianapolis. Joining us here on the Two Sport Town podcast. Quick, before we go, we want to tell you about our new home, um, stltoday.com slash podcasts. That's with an S. It's got a new look on the website. It's really cool. The newest podcast from everyone here at the paper will be featured up at the top. If you're looking for a specific podcast, you just scroll down, and you can find uh, all the episodes there, and all her whole catalog will be listed there as well also very easy to uh, subscribe to the podcast through itunes through google play music through whatever app you might be using to to listen to your music and podcasts you can uh, get us beamed in there as well i think that'll do it for us jt anything else before we take off i'm ready for the draft after uh, coach venturi uh, breaking it down believe me he could have gone for hours I, I got. Th- I got to say, this is an all Gulf of Mexico podcast, and we'll uh, <laughs> we'll try to do it again next week. That'll do it for us. For Jim Thomas, I'm Ben Fredrickson. We'll catch you next time on Two Sport Town. <laughs>